Friends, thank you so much for worshiping at Westside. I want to give a shout out to everybody who will experience this message online or on our podcast. My name is Adam, and I consider myself very fortunate to be the senior pastor here at First United Methodist Church. I want to take a moment just to say thank you. Uh, Many of you know my father passed away recently, and I want you to know that the church has been so kind in reaching out to me. Um, The support has been amazing. Uh, It has meant so much to, to Sarah and I. Uh, My dad was a preacher, and so there's a lot of healing uh, for me in getting back to doing what I do, uh, which really was inspired by doing what my dad did. And so uh, I'm excited to be back in the saddle, and and, and it's good to be back in a place where you belong. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you uh, for being Christ to me in a really difficult time. I will say if I get a little choked up, I got my Chief's Victory mug here with a little water if I need it. So... I know you'll be gracious if I need a moment, but I'm excited to be beginning a new sermon series, and I'm excited that you all are here. Today we start a new series called Spiritual Disciplines, uh, Studying the Word of God. I've mentioned recently that discipline is not a super high gift for me, so if discipline is a word that freaks you out, you're in good company. (laughs) Uh, You know, spiritual disciplines are practices that we do, these practices that help us grow closer to God and grow deeper in our faith. One of the all-time spiritual disciplines is studying the Bible. For the next two weeks, we're gonna be zooming in on what the Bible is, why we study the Bible, and, and how we even go about doing that. I had a professor in seminary tell this story, and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I have. The year was 1969, the year of the lunar landing. My professor and his friend were out cruising in his dad's 55 Chevy in the mountains of North Carolina when they had a breakdown, and they had to hitchhike back into town. They were picked up by an elderly couple who uh, wasn't real talkative, so so to kind of strike up a little conversation, uh, my seminary professor's buddy asked, hey, what did you think about the, the lunar landing about Neil Armstrong walking on the moon? And the man driving the car immediately replied, well, that's all fake. It's a Hollywood trick trying to make us believe the world is round and the moon revolves around it. And when they asked why he thought that, why the, why the landing was, was faked, the man replied, it says in the book of Revelations that the angels will stand on the four corners of the earth. Could it be round if it's got four corners now, could it? What do you think of that? Now, this man was quoting Revelation 7, verse 1. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth. So, was he right? Are we meant to gain an understanding of the shape of the earth based on Revelation 7, 1? How should we interpret it? This is an example of a proof text. This is where you isolate one verse, kind of pull it out of context, and use it to prove a point. This is one of the most common ways that the Bible is misused all the time. There are lots of people who have experienced the Bible like a boxing glove. It's been used to beat them into submission. Or others have, quoted the, have had the Bible quoted to them like some giant book of laws. It's been used to intimidate them, prove their guilt, or keep them in line. For some folks, the Bible feels like a ball and chain this oppressing thing that weighs you down. And it makes me so sad that people have had these experiences like this. For a lot of folks, the Bible is the furthest thing from their mind, totally irrelevant. 
not even thought of, not even on their radar. So if the Bible is not a boxing glove or a laborious book of laws or an oppressive ball and chain, what is it? People will often refer to the Bible as God's word. That's true, and that's what we're going to be investigating today. So more on that in a second. The Bible is one of the ways that God chose to reveal himself. It's a collection of books that spans 1,500 years. It's like its own library with books that are history, prophecy, poetry, biography. And there are generally three ways people look at the Bible. The first is that the the Bible is divine creation, that God wrote the Bible through mechanical dictation. In other words, God sort of took over the minds and hands of the authors to literally scribe out the pages of the Bible. You know, folks who subscribe to divine creation believe the Bible is without error. Second, the Bible is divine inspiration, that God inspired the scriptures through the original authors, and even that these original manuscripts would be without error. But these authors shaped what was written by including their own personalities, styles, and experiences. And third is that the Bible is human invention, totally a human product with no divine activity, usually is because it's assumed there is no divine agent in existence to have inspired it in the first place. So as we look at these three options, there are a lot of Christians who would align with number one. And in my view, it'd be pretty tough to be a Christian and align with number three. So me and many Methodists throughout history would agree with number two. So I'm just going to put it very plainly. I believe the Bible is inspired by God and written through people. And that, my dad used to love to say this, the Bible is all sufficient for Christian faith and practice. This means the Bible contains everything we need to know in order to have faith and in order to practice that faith. It is God's written word. I believe that. The Bible is God's written word. Now this is an important distinction. The term the word of God has a broader definition than just words on a page. Now that certainly includes everything in the Bible, the word of God, but it goes beyond that. Much of the Bible was spoken before it was written down. God spoke to prophets and prophets spoke to people and eventually those instructions, those histories were written down and became our Bible. So the Bible was first spoken, then written, then incarnated. Now that's, that's a fancy word. What does that mean? It means the word of God is not just words on a page, but in Jesus, the word of God came to life. We read this in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. So in this scripture, what's translated into word is the Greek word logos, logos. Now, if we think about a logo, logos communicate what the entity is about. We talked about this at Christmas time. That's what Jesus came to do. 
Logos are made to represent the entity. This is a picture of Jerry West, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Some of you may remember, he has the coolest nickname in the history of sports, the logo, because in the 60s, a design firm used this picture as the inspiration for the NBA's logo. They thought Jerry West represented what the NBA was all about. You know, he's kind of sleek and on the move in this very athletic pose. You, so the, the logo represents the NBA. Similarly, Jesus is the logos. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He is the logos, the living word, word made flesh. So the point of the written word of God is to point us to the living word of God, Jesus Christ, the logos. In the conclusion of the gospel of John, we just read from the beginning, and in the conclusion, the author tells us that he couldn't even fit all the stuff Jesus did into a single book. And he explains the purpose of his work, the purpose of his biography of this gospel, the good news of Jesus. This is what we read in John 20. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. And so the point of the Bible isn't just knowledge. The point of the Bible isn't just knowledge of God, it's belief. The point of the Bible is to believe that Jesus is the Messiah so that you can find life in his name. The written word of God leads us into faith in Jesus Christ, which lets us experience the type of life that God intended. When we study scripture, we allow the same spirit of God, which inspired the scriptures then, to inspire us now. This is from Hebrews chapter four. Indeed, the word of God, there's that phrase again, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is more than just words on a page of the Bible. It's the still moving, still inviting spirit of God. We shouldn't get these mixed up. The Bible, the word of God, came to us in its form, but we need to broaden our definition of what the word of God is. The word of God was spoken by God, inspired by God to be written, then came to life in Jesus Christ. I just think it's an important thing for us to remember that Christians don't worship a book. We worship a person. Too many Christians have loved being right more than they loved Jesus. And they appeal to the authority of the Bible and in their efforts to bring people in, they actually repel them away. Every so often, somebody has some code that they've cracked to talk about you know, when the world is gonna end, and this really gets me going. Because these people who supposedly, supposedly love the Bible so much ignore the fact that in the Bible, Jesus says that no one knows when the end is gonna be. I, I don't understand it. It, it. Yeah, we just gotta move on. I get so frustrated. Scripture has been twisted to justify slavery, demean women, abuse children, assert racial superiority, and many other terrible things. And people will cite a verse and then cry, but the Bible says, the Bible is all sufficient for faith and practice when it's rightly interpreted. 
And that's why it's important that we study the Bible, friends. My seminary professor would often say this, a text without a context is just a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. Let's leave that up there for a moment. A text from the Bible without a context or without understanding the surroundings in the background is just a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. It's like this. Here's a sample. It's like Costco. Here's a little sample of of this proof texting for you. Did you know that in the Bible, it says that there is no God? Oh yeah, it's in there. And someone could say that legitimately. Well, when you look a little closer, the picture's a lot different. It's right there in Psalm 14, but it takes on a different meaning when you read the entire sentence. Psalm 14 says this, fools say in their hearts, there is no God. But isolated and taken out of context without understanding anything else about the history or the genre or even the whole entire verse, one could use that as proof to say, technically, the Bible says there is no God. So whoever reads the most or yells the loudest can use the Bible to justify all sorts of things. Many things that God never intended. That's why it's so important, so important that we study the Bible The more we can understand the written word of God, the more we can be in touch with the living word of God. And there's a lot more to it than just reading words on a page and getting it. So how do we start start to read and understand the Bible? Well, I think there's a couple important things for us to remember. The first thing we can do is understand the context. What else is going on in the paragraph that you're reading or the chapter that you've been reading or the entire book that you've been reading from? Amazing patterns emerge and new insights are gained when we zoom out beyond a single verse and see the bigger picture. Secondly, how can we understand the background? God spoke and the Bible was written in a particular time and place. That's one of the reasons I love it is because the Bible is divinely inspired, but it also reveals a lot about our humanity. Think about God sending Jesus into a particular time and place. The more we can understand the genres contained in the Bible, the world of the original authors and the cultures in which the Bible was written, it becomes like reading the Bible in color. And third, we can proceed with humility. There'll always be more to discover and we should always be open to new insights. The Bible is the most read, dissected, discussed, studied document in human history. There's a whole wealth of knowledge for us to discover. And it's amazing how the same passage can speak into our lives in different ways at different times. So we do the best we can, but it's important that we approach the Bible humbly as a student and not the master. I've gone to a gym like five times in my life. I know, shocker, right? Here's the thing about going to the gym. I hated it for a variety of reasons. One, I'm averse to pain, as I think most people are. But besides that, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so afraid that I looked so goofy trying to do my thing on the machines. Let's be honest, I did look goofy trying trying to figure it out. I didn't like being reminded of how out of shape I was by the way all the other people looked. I hated going to the gym. I think a lot of people feel that way about going to church. Oh gosh, I, I I don't know about, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't, I don't have it together. I can't be around all those kind of folks. Friends, that's why we're here. The gym isn't just for the people already in shape. Similarly, the church is where we study God's written word together. 
So this has been the introductory session. Today has mostly been about what the Bible is and why we should study it. Next week, we're going to dive in to more of the how we study the Bible. Now, your boy doesn't want to leave you hanging. And so if you're wanting to get started, I have what could be a helpful suggestion for you. Let me get you started off. If you go to Bible.com, go ahead and get out your phones at Westside. Nothing wrong with that. Get out your phone and go to Bible.com or get on your App Store or Google Play or whatever else and just type in Bible. And I guarantee the first result is going to be this version Bible app. It's an incredible resource. Incredible. All free. And on that version Bible app, you can find a study called Learning to Love and Understand God's Word. It's by Nicole Eunice. Learning to Love and Understand God's Word. I'm just, I'm just going to let that hang up there on that screen for about eight more seconds so that you can take a picture or call it up on your phone or do whatever. Because if you're wanting to get started, I don't want to waste an opportunity. So I'm going to just take a little sip from a cup here. Mm. Oh, yeah. So this is a four-day study that you can do this week to prepare for our big boy, big girl Bible study next Sunday. Some of the same texts that we use today are actually covered in this study uh, as an example. Now, for some of you, doing something like this four-day study is going to be like your first time at the gym. And I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate you by starting, beginning this spiritual discipline in your life. This is just four days. You can do it every other day next week. We're just starting somewhere. Now, others of us may already be part of a study or may have kind of incorporated our own practices in our lives and, and kind of learned what works well for us. I want to celebrate you too. Come back next week and we'll look at one method for making studying the Bible a spiritual discipline. We're Methodists, right? Hope that's not a surprise to anybody. So we're going to talk about a method next week in order to read and learn and understand the Bible. When you begin time studying the word, it begins to shape you. This has been a tough week for me, friends. I'm not going to lie to you. There was, there was a time in my ministry where I was going through another particularly hard time and someone gave me a card with this verse on it and I've never forgotten it. And I'm able to call it to mind and hold it in my heart at times like this. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now I'm recording this on a Thursday. Yesterday, I presided at my own dad's burial service. And these words helped give me hope. They brought me comfort as they came to my mind. Psalm 116, how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Now I've never heard Jesus speak to me audibly, but his word still rings in my ear. What we want you to gain from studying the written word of God is the presence of the living word of God in your life. Christians don't worship a book, we worship a person, friends. And I hope you'll get to know Jesus by reading his word. And everybody said, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this amazing resource, this amazing path to you, your divinely inspired word. We thank you for centuries of good work 
and labor that, that so many have put into it that have produced so much knowledge that we can learn from. We thank you for the way in which you reveal yourself to us as you inspire us by reading your inspired word. God, it's my hope like the people in Nehemiah that we talked about last week, that we would have a hunger to know you more, that we would, that we would treat your word with respect and honor and make it a priority in our life. God, help us to know you more through the reading of the word. Help us to grow more like you as we practice the spiritual discipline of study. Amen.